Hello, welcome to another episode of the Lex Insights Podcast and I'm your host Corey Jirivite. So the last episode was part two of the topic, the use of blockchain in the legal industry. I'm really sure that a lot of persons learned from it and received insights on the topic. Well, today is an exciting episode as I will be featuring an, a podcast interview of students from the Netherlands about the application of ADR in their community, in their country, and some other relevant questions that were asked, including the continual applicability of ADR during the pandemic period, online dispute resolution, the enforceability of arbitral awards, etc. So stay tuned and don't go anywhere. Welcome back to another wonderful podcast session. Today we're going to be having the people that hosted us the last time, Andra, Mihela. We'll have our speakers, Courage, Stanley, and myself. We are so excited to be here right now. Yes, thank you very much for having us today. All right, welcome so much. Thank you for the collaboration and accepting the offer. So we're going to be doing a reverse podcast this time around. So would you know, be trying to understand the legal system or the Netherlands and the whole issue of the ADR in your section. So before I begin, Courage, please, can you do us the honors of doing a brief introduction of just two minutes since Stanley is unavailable? I think you should help us do that. All right, thank you very much. Um, thank you, Andra, and thank you, Mihela, for accepting our proposal for this particular podcast session. Uh, we are very grateful. Last time, the podcast we had, it was a success, and we appreciate the opportunity that you afforded the ADR Society of the University of Nigeria to be able to share their insights and knowledge about the Nigerian legal system and the applicability of arbitral awards and the workings of ADR in the country. Thank you very much. So today, the president of our society, Stanley Umezriki, has decided that it would be nice also if we could get an equal insight about how alternative dispute resolution works in your jurisdiction and the structure of the legal system and the enforcement of arbitral awards. Also, the other questions that have been forwarded to you that will be asked after this introduction that I'm giving. So once again, we are very grateful for accepting this proposal and let's have a wonderful time. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you very much, Courage. Thank you so much for that brief and um, sharp introduction. So we're going to head down straight into the the podcast questions. So, you know, we cannot overemphasize the importance of alternative dispute resolution in our legal system, not just in Nigeria or in the Netherlands, but in the world generally because of the benefits of the alternative dispute resolution arbitration, mediation, conciliation, and the rest of them, because um, we've tested and we've seen that it's a time effective, it's cost effective, and it maintains the friendship and relationship between parties, unlike what we see when it comes to litigation, the other side of 
matters. So this question will be directed to Andrea. Please, can you tell us the attitude of the Netherlands when it comes to alternative dispute resolution? How has your country, how has your legal system been able to, have they accepted the alternative dispute resolution as a solution to issues that arise between parties? Or just tell us what is their response to ADR in your country? Well, the Netherlands has provided a quite positive response to APR solutions and um, actually arbitration in the Netherlands is a true alternative to, to dispute resolution by courts of law. And in the Netherlands, this is called the Rhineland culture and from a legal perspective, it means that in general disputes are very often handled by alternative dispute resolution mechanisms rather by, uh, rather by courts of law. And as of January, as of the 1st of January 2015, a new arbitration law entered into force in the Netherlands. And this law contains some of the best practice, uh, practices codified in international arbitration. And the institute arbitration is made even more attractive for international business and trading. And especially when it comes to The Hague, where we are studying, The Hague is the international uh, capital of peace and justice. And it's quite unique in the sense that it's home to the Permanent Court of Arbitration, which is an intergovernmental organization that provides services of arbitral tribunal, of arbitral tribunal um, to resolve disputes arising from a number of international agreements, for example, in the maritime industry. And the Netherlands is also quite innovative in the sense the, um, arbitra um, the arbitral proceedings uh, are organized and uh, they have different specialized courts. And one of the uh, most interesting specialized courts is the uh, arbitral tribunal in ARC, which is called CAFA and which has been uh, taking cases since 2019. All right, all right. That, that's wonderful. That was, that was good. That was wonderful. All right. So as this um, courts and laws have been made, we could see that the attitude of the Netherlands and Hague Center of International Peace and Justice towards ADRU, you know, um, methods is widely accepted. Okay. So, Andrew, can you please um, elucidate on the Netherlands legal system? What is the legal system of your country like? You know, because in Nigeria we have, you know, a complex legal system. So could you please explain the legal system of your country? Yeah, so the Netherlands is a constitutional monarchy uh, in the sense that it has a constitution, but they don't really have a president and the president um, and the monarchy is not really involved within the legislative, um, within the legislative making. And um, it's also a legal system inspired by the French civil code. So it's a constitutional monarchy uh, combined with a civil law legal system, which is inspired by the French civil code. And the legislative power is rested upon the Dutch parliament and the government. However, in recent years, what the parliament and government have been doing is that they have created framework laws and delegated, delegated the creation of detailed rules to ministers of or lower governments. And um, if I could add something, um, in terms of international law, the Netherlands is quite a unique country. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's the only country in the world which uh, has a monastic system, uh, which means that the constitution requires the government to promote the development of the international legal order 
and treaties, international treaties, have supremacy over prior and subsequent national laws. So international law is given the same status as the constitution within the Dutch uh, Dutch legal system. Okay, okay, that's wonderful. So regarding the last statement you just made concerning the same regard given to your constitutional law is the same regard given to international law. So is there any point of conflict between these two laws when it comes to alternative dispute resolution? I mean, in terms of international treaties, other sources of law don't really have supremacies over national law. It's only international treaties that have supremacy over national laws. And it doesn't really have any impact on the alternative dispute resolution system because courts just apply and interpret international treaties as national law, but they can't really review their compatibility with the constitution. All right. So, is Natalia here? Hello. Yes, I, I am here. I have a question for you. Could you please tell us what is the attitude of the, you know, of your legal system in Netherlands and Hey, towards the enforcement of arbitral awards? Arbitral award easily enforced or is there any cumbersome process that we have to, you have to go through to be able to enforce arbitral awards gotten from arbitral proceedings? Well, because the Netherlands is the party to the 1958 Convention on the Recognition and Enforcement of uh, Foreign Arbitral Awards, the awards are quite easily enforced. It is also party of the um, ICSID Convention. And in general, very few attempts to have arbitral awards set aside or to oppose their enforcement uh, were successful. The members of the Dutch judiciary have a solid reputation for uh, being independent and impartial and public trust in their integrity is quite high. So in general, the awards are quite easily enforced, yes. All right, that's wonderful. So I've been intrigued by the response I'm getting. So I just want to ask a peculiar question. Why is the Netherlands spelled in plural? You know, it's not called Netherlands. It's called the Netherlands. So that's actually a really interesting question. I didn't know the answer up until the second semester of the first year at university. And the reason why it's spelled in plural is that the Netherlands was actually the Republic of Seven United Netherlands. And uh, it started out as, as a union of seven low-lying provinces. And they were fighting for independence from the Habsburg Empire. And then they just remained the same country. Wow, that's great. That's really, really great. Okay, that was very interesting. So it's because they are, you know, different countries that were fighting at the time. So collaboration of all of them gives it the plural name. That is really, really interesting. So I have another question. So Andre, either you or Miguel could take the question. Has there been any recent development lately? in terms of AGRU legislations to keep this pandemic. Because we know that this um, pandemic is not just something that's happening in peculiar countries, but it's a global issue. And we know that during this pandemic period, agreements between parties and different clauses that people had established in the past have, some of the terms of contracts have been breached due to the pandemic. So a lot of these, you know, companies or parties that enter this contract would like to resort to arbitration to settle out the matter. So has there been any legislation, has there been any efforts to align the AGR methods in your country to fit in this pandemic period? Well, thank you very much for the question. Indeed, this pandemic has created has created alarming levels of spread and severity worldwide and has affected various industries, including the legal system. And in the Netherlands, the Netherlands is um, quite a happy 
um, situation is quite a happy case because starting with the end of spring, the courthouses made several initial adjustments and physical hearings have begun to resume on the limited scale. So at the moment, the legal system in the Netherlands, the courts are functioning. Within the current time period, what happened in mediation is that all the mediation cases through courts mediation offices were suspended and it was only possible for parties to apply by email for certain mediation cases in advance and all actual mediation meetings wouldn't be scheduled at all uh, until the emergency measures uh, have not expired in terms of private in terms of private mediation it's quite difficult to analyze because there isn't a lot of data online but um, i would say that private mediation to private companies still occurred and even with the social distancing measures it was possible to them for them to do it remotely in arbitration on the other side uh, the Netherlands Arbitration Institute has remained operational and worked remotely throughout the period of the quarantine and the sessions and the meetings have been rescheduled um, or postponed and a strong preference was given to purely electronic or telephone communication and I think it was for the first time that it was actually possible for the parties to receive judgments by mail. And at the Council of Arbitration for the construction sector, because the um, arbitration in the Netherlands is highly specialized, so there is uh, some sort of arbitral tribunal for every um, area. Uh, so for the construction sector, the oral proceedings were postponed and written proceedings still continued and uh, new cases were still submitted. All right, wonderful. Because even here in our country, Nigeria, there are certain, you know, um, adaptations to the online method of dispute resolution that the government has been handling. You know, it's wonderful to see that the Netherlands is also doing the same thing so that the ADRU sector of the legal system is not left behind due to the coronavirus. All right. So as students, I need to ask maybe you could answer is are there any certain programs or opportunities that you're given when it comes to ADRS sector because for let let me take um, a specific reference to a training we had in our school University of Nigeria campus sometime last year where we had members of senior associates of different law firms as well as fellows from different arbitral institutions come to give us training on arbitration has there ever been any such training or programs in your school that has let you get exposed to the practical aspect of arbitration? Well, uh, throughout the Netherlands, I believe that many uh, universities probably have courses in you know, arbitration and, and, and stuff, and they also have the program that prepares the students for the visa mood court. But in our universities in particular, we have the new alternative dispute resolution minor, which prepares students with modules on negotiation, mediation and arbitration. It is quite comprehensive and covers, as our teachers put it, quite most of the stuff that is covered in a real mediation course or arbitration course. Overall, I think that most institutions and universities are taking steps towards implementing uh, opportunities in this field. If you are in The Hague also, um, you have the opportunity to perhaps get an internship at an arbitration institution or at the permanent court of arbitration and, and so on. Yeah. Okay, okay, that's that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Okay, so this other question that I would love to ask 
So we know certainly that there are different alternative dispute resolution methods, mediation, conciliation, arbitration. So which is most effective and commonly used in the legal system in the Netherlands between arbitration, mediation, conciliation and the rest of them, which is most effective and commonly used? Well, I would say that uh, arbitration is most commonly used because, as I've previously mentioned, arbitration is specialized and there are specialized arbitral tribunals that deal with different fields of law and with different areas in general. There is, uh, as I've said at the beginning of this session, there is an arbitration court uh, specialized in NAR, there is another arbitration uh, court specialized in construction. And at the same time, within their uh, contracts and within different consumer contracts and contracts between parties, there is a specific uh, party stand to include this arbitration clause, which obliges them to resort to arbitration the moment there is a dispute arising out of the contract. And these type of clauses are very, very popular in the Netherlands, especially in commercial in the commercial matters. Okay, that's very interesting. Okay, because of the, the competition, the trending competition between litigation and ADR, is there any tendency for lawyers to prefer or opt out of the ADR method and return to litigation? Because, you know, there isn't... Um, a 50-50 balance between these two legal methods. So is there any tendency for lawyers to prefer litigation over arbitration? Or do you think in your country, arbitration is leading the course rather than litigation? You know, I believe that in the recent years, there is a certain clear trend of the rise in the using of all the alternative means of dispute resolution. And in particular, because of the characteristics of such methods, because Mediation, for example, is very effective. Negotiation is the backbone of, of any kind of agreement between two parties. And when it comes to arbitration, you can see that parties are benefiting because, first of all, the disputes are anonymous, which is as opposed to litigation. And then they are more speedy and overall less costly because they are more speedy and they resolve their disputes in a couple of months or a year or two years maximum instead of going to litigation and being for years, five or ten years in a court. And for this particular matter, let's say at, at the CAFA, the Court of Arbitration for Art, for example, you would never know who were actually the parties to those cases. Instead, you would just know, for example, what was the subject of their art law disputes, so the painting or a statue or something like that, but you would never actually know who were the parties and that benefits the parties because they are ultimately anonymous and perhaps it also preserves their reputation and so on. So I believe that there is a very clear trend towards moving towards alternative dispute resolution, yes. All right, that's wonderful because even here in our jurisdiction, there is a, there's a lot of trend moving towards alternative dispute resolution because of the advantages it offers over litigation. All right, so our next question. I understand that the Hague Center for Law and Arbitration is an institution that focuses on providing legal and arbitral services. So please, can any of you briefly tell us more about the powers and the function of the HCLA and its services? Uh, yes, thank you so much for the question. So the Hague Center for Law and Arbitration, commonly known as HCLA, is actually a network of professionals and it consists of individual institutions and law firms from different kinds and from a variety of disciplines. And the network actually provides legal and arbitration services and organi organizes um, courses as well and workshops in the fields of international law, trade and investment, as well as international arbitration 
and due diligence and risk management. Uh, as a global network of professionals, HCLA provides government, uh, businesses, and academic communities with legal expertise in order to help them update their legal knowledge and implement the best strategies to protect their best interests. That's great. Okay, so where there are disputes arising from construction contracts, you know, can it be brought either before a civil law court or an arbitral court? Because statistics between parties often tend to choose arbitration over proceedings before a civil law court. Is there any particular reasons why? Yes, there are actually two main reasons why this is the case. So first of all, um, there is a strong system of specialized arbitration in construction-related disputes. And the arbitration is usually made by the board of the building industry, which possesses in-depth knowledge of construction and the construction industry. And in this sense, there are different arbitral tribunals which can deal with construction cases. Uh, the most common one is uh, the RVA, and uh, the arbitral tribunal itself is composed of three. Uh, the arbitral panel is composed of three arbitrators. One of them is a lawyer, and the other two are technical experts in the field of the construction industry. And the work of the tribunal are highly authoritative in the field of Dutch construction law. So, therefore, most construction contracts will have a designated clause indicating RVA as the competent body to rule on their disputes. Okay, all right, that's good. When it comes to Netherlands being a member state of the European Union, how do you resolve, you know, crisis with um, Canada? Does when it comes to your investment negotiation, because we know that it's a backbone of trade agreement. What methods have been put in place by the Court of Justice of the European Union to resolve such disputes? Disputes arising from comprehensive economic and trade agreement as a CTA. That's a really interesting question, and it's a question that's really relevant in the context of the current events that have occurred in the past years within the European Union. So, in general, um, within investment treaties, investment cases have usually been referred uh, solved within the BID framework by ad hoc tribunals. However, in 2019, EU member states reached an agreement for the termination of intra-EU bilateral investment treaties. So uh, there are no, there will be no BITs anymore within the European Union member states. European Union member states can conclude investment treaties with other countries outside the Union, but not inside the Union itself. And the reason for this is the, are the legal consequences of the judgment of the Court of Justice in the ACMEA case, as well as on the investment protection in the European Union. And CETA itself, CETA is a trade agreement between the European European Union and Canada, which entered into force provisionally on the 21st of September 2017, if I'm not mistaken. And one of the measures covered by the agreement is the establishment of an investment court. And such a court would be specialized in dealing with disputes under international agreements for the protection of foreign investments and uh, also designated to decide investment disputes between foreign investors and host states. It would be actually the first court which would deal with investment disputes rather than ad hoc tribunals specialized in arbitration dealing with such disputes. If the court hasn't been established yet, there are still negotiations going on, but there is definitely a huge support for the establishment of some court. It's quite interesting to see considering that most there is this transition towards ADR and in investments within EU and Canada, we are going back to a court to courts of law. 
All right. That's wonderful. Thank you very much, Andrew. So this question is a very interesting question and you really did justice to answering the question. To draw you back to the first question I asked concerning the role AGR is playing, creating legislations to fit the pandemic period, I wanted to ask the other side of the question. So we know that this pandemic is affecting the contractual relationship between parties. So I'm asking if you have any ideas or any professional advice as to what AGR role or lawyers could do when they are reviewing contractual clauses between parties. Victoria, if I can keep in maybe from my understanding, I believe that the lawyers can be more effective by use of technology, of course, and different applications that can help them communicate between each other and with their clients. In some countries, for example, let's say in Austria, they have a specific application that is used by, by most of the lawyers to communicate inside their law firm in between each other and also with their clients where they can also share documents and work on documents at the same time. And for example, there's plenty of other applications or other means of kind of doing this online. Um, there is also the use of smart contracts, which would mean that parties can look at contracts online, you know, and, and adjust them and sign them also online. But when it comes to reviewing them, I'm not really sure. I mean, it can just happen that, you know, the, the hearings that were supposed to be in person will be now held digitally but that could be only like like the only solution i could think of really just to try to move all these activities digitally and somehow perform them digitally rather than in person all right that's wonderful you you and you did justice to the question so thank you very much for answering that so our next question i would be asking is the european union protocol to the arbitration convention amend the arbitration convention of 23rd july 1990 on the elimination of double taxation in connection with the adjustment of profits of enterprises of member states what is the application of this procedure established in the convention of resolving disputes associated with transfer pricing Thank you very much. Uh, so indeed, the EU Arbitration Convention uh, establishes, lays down a procedure to resolve disputes where double taxation occurs between enterprises of different member states of the European Union. And this issue itself is not touched by the European Union, but it's touched upon by bilateral double taxation treaties. However, these treaties do not generally impose a binding obligation on the contracting states to eliminate the double taxation, whereas the convention, the EU Arbitration Convention, does impose in some sense such an obligation. And the procedure itself uh, is laid down in Article 6 and what happens is that an enterprise which is a permanent established in a European Union member state may present its case to the competent authority of a contracting state of which it is an enterprise and uh, or in which its permanent establishment is situated. And such case has to be uh, has to be submitted up to three years after the double taxation has occurred. All right. Thank you very much, Andrew, for answering the question beautifully. So when it comes to enforcement of arbitral awards, how exactly do you enforce arbitral awards in the Netherlands? Um, thank you for the question, Victoria. So in terms of enforcement, it depends on what kind of arbitral awards are we talking about. In general, the enforcement is dealt with the Dutch Arbitration Act, which I will refer to as DAA. And there are three main types of enforcement of arbitral awards which can be enforced. Domestic arbitral awards, which have been issued in the Netherlands. Foreign arbitral awards under treaties such as the New York 
convention and foreign arbitral awards to which no treaties apply. And in terms of domestic arbitral awards, it is regulated by Article 1062 of the Dutch Arbitration Act and uh, there are uh, some grounds for refusal of enforcement, for example, if there is no validation arbitration agreement or if the tribunal has exceeded its mandate or has that been appointed in conformity with the rules. And also enforcement can be declined if there are some problems, procedural problems with the arbitration award. And in terms of the foreign arbitral awards issued under uh, treaties, the most important enforcement treaty is the New York Convention, as I've said. And the New York Convention always prevails above the Dutch Arbitration Act. And under the Dutch Arbitration Act, the enforcement procedure uh, the enforcement procedure of an arbitral award uh, entails that in order to enforce a foreign award, an enforcement leave will have to be obtained from the competent court of appeal. And so the um, applicant will have to submit the, a petition request, requesting the enforcement leave to this court of appeal. And in terms of the grounds for refusal of enforcement, these are uh, laid down by the New York Convention, Article 5, and they include violation of due process or uh, incapacity of the parties or if the award is the public policy, for example. And lastly, in terms of the foreign arbitral awards, which have not been issued in accordance with the treaty. And the main problem with this is that neither the Dutch Arbitration Act nor the parliamentary history contains the definition of an arbitral award. And in general, an arbitral award made in this case may be recognized in the Netherlands and in enforcements may be sought in the Netherlands by one of the parties. And an enforcement leave will be required from the competent court of appeal again and this can be obtained either upon submission of the original or a certified copy of the arbitration agreement and arbitral award and in terms of the grounds for refusal of recognition and enforcement if there is no valid arbitration agreement if the award contradicts public policy or if the tribunal has not been appointed in conformity with the rules something really important to know in terms of the foreign arbitral awards without treaties before enforcement there needs to be recognition of this um, arbitral award so if for example there is a foreign arbitral award uh, that has been issued in conformity with the new york convention there is still enforcement with the Court of Appeal, where uh, with the foreign arbitral awards without treaties, there needs to be first recognition of the award and then enforcement. All right, that's wonderful. I can see that there is due process for the enforcement of arbitral awards in the Netherlands. So when it comes to commercial arbitration and international arbitration, every country faces jurisdiction issues depending on the parties. Are there any peculiar laws or legislations that have been made to cover jurisdictional issues when it comes to international arbitration in the Netherlands? Well, to be honest, I am not aware. With the Netherlands, in, co in terms of commercial arbitration and in terms of commercial matters, for example, especially when it comes to jurisdiction, a lot of issues have been covered by the European Union law, especially when it's the consumer contract or especially when it deals with, with when it falls within the Brussels regulation and the Rome regulation, then the jurisdiction is assessed within the European Union framework. On the other side, when it comes to Switzerland, it's assessed in accordance to the Lugano Convention. So there are pretty, uh, the established rules are pretty clear. Unfortunately, I couldn't tell you exactly on the international level, how does it work? I would say that with jurisdiction, it's always a really, really difficult topic and it's always up to debate. 
Thank you very much, Andrew, for answering that question. So we have one last question I would be asking and just due to pure educational curiosity. So basically, we know that when it comes to the alternative dispute resolution methods, there are three prominent ones that we know, arbitration, mediation, and conciliation. And the truth of the matter is arbitration is always preceding. Arbitration is always, you know, most effective and mainly used by parties who are going for alternative dispute resolution. So are there any peculiar cases when it comes to mediation and conciliation? How is mediation and conciliation handled in Netherlands? Personally, I believe from my understanding, conciliation and mediation are always offered as an option before going to litigation. Uh, most of all, mediation, for example, is very much used in when it comes to family law disputes, which are better settled through a mediator rather than through litigation because it's less costly and way, way speedy and it takes just one or two days in know, the meeting with the mediator and the drafting of the mediator, the mediation contract to, to actually resolve the dispute. And yes, from my understanding, it is just an, an option before going to litigation that parties have to tick the box that they have tried conciliation and mediation and then they can go to court. All right, thank you very much, Midir. So we've been able to get a course to the whole legal system of the Netherlands, why the Netherlands is being spelled in plural and um, as well as the adaptation of arbitral proceedings in the Netherlands, the litigation as well as the online dispute resolution methods and litigation legislations that are being put in to handle alternative dispute resolution in the pandemic period that is affecting the whole world. So it was a very exciting opportunity to be exposed to the legal system in the Netherlands. So thank you so much, Andre and Miguel, for being a part of this collaboration. We look forward to more collaborations in future we look forward to talking more on arbitration mediation conciliation and other apr methods i remain your honorable host victoria udo so on behalf of the alternative dispute Resolution society of the university of nigeria in campus i would love to say thank you very much to the mlr stem project for honoring our invitation and for being a part of this podcast Thank you very much for the invitation and we are also looking forward to more collaborations in the future. Thank you guys, you have a nice day ahead. So with that, we've come to the end of today's episode. I believe we all gained a lot of insight and knowledge about how EDR works in the Netherlands as well as with many other interesting facts that were shared during the podcast interview. So until next week, stay tuned and God bless you. Bye.